It's time for This Week in WordPress, episode number 258, entitled What About Love Goblins? It was recorded on Monday the 29th of June, 2023. My name's Nathan Wrigley and I'll be joined in a few short moments by Michelle Frechette, but also by Tim Nash and Katie Keith. It's a WordPress podcast, so you know what? We're going to talk about WordPress. We kick off the discussion today talking about the Block Notes app. It's available on iOS and it runs natively in iOS. It's very exciting and Tim gives us some indication as to why. We also talk about the CMS market share report, which is produced semi-annually by Joost de Volk. Then we move on to the fact that there are going to be eight pilot next generation WordPress events. This conversation dominates our discussion today. We talk about WordPress events and the scale and the size of them and whether or not they're, they're as good as they could be. We talk about the fact that MainWP has an extension for Pressable, and then we move on to talk about the Command Center tool and whether it should be renamed or not. And towards the end, we also get into a conversation about Elon Musk having a fight with Mark Zuckerberg. It's all coming up next on This Week in WordPress. This episode of the WP Builds podcast is brought to you by GoDaddy Pro the home of managed WordPress hosting that includes free domain, SSL, and 24-7 support. Bundle that with the hub by GoDaddy Pro to unlock more free benefits to manage multiple sites in one place, invoice clients, and get 30% off new purchases. Find out more at go.me forward slash WPBuilds. Hello. Hello there. Hello. Good morning. Good evening. Good afternoon. Good other things as well. Hopefully you're having a nice week. This is number two. He said, looking at his screen, having lost count of the number. This is 258. <laughs> That's quite a lot, isn't it? 258 is this week in WordPress. We're going to natter drone on about the WordPress news. And I, as you can see on the screen, we've got some lovely WordPressers. And uh, yeah, hopefully 90 minutes of uh, chat and what have you. Let's go to just go around the panel and say hi. First of all, Michelle, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, yeah. You've, uh, you've, you've said you've got a bit of a sore throat going on there at the moment. Well, it doesn't hurt. It's just that my vocal cords are mad that I talk so much. So there you go. Okay. Well, I apologize for dragging you onto a show where the prime motive is to get you to talk. <laughs> Well, Sorry. Two, two two word camps in two weeks. We'll do that to you. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, luckily, there's three of us who can talk pretty well, I'm <laughs> sure. But uh, Michelle Frechette is the director of community engagement at Stella WP for Liquid Web. In addition to her work at Stella WP, she's the podcast barista at WP Coffee Talk. She's the co-founder of Underrepresented in Tech. She's the creator of WP Career Pages and a new project, WPSpeakers.com, which is actually very, very useful for people like me. She's the president of the board for Big Orange Heart, director of community relations and contributor at Post Status. She's an author, business coach, and frequent organizer and speaker at WordCamp, uh, sorry, WordPress events, as we know, we just, <laughs> just found that out, or not speaker as the case may be in the near future. Michelle lives outside Rochester, New York, where she's an avid nature photographer. I saw your picture online this week of the baby deer. That was really, that was really special. at yeah. WordCamp Montclair. Yeah. Really nice. Lovely. Um, and you can find out more about her at Meet Michelle Online. Lovely to have you with us again. Thank you so much. Thank you. Always happy to be here. Yeah, thank you. We're also joined by Tim, Tim Nash. Tim has not 
not been on this show, I think, for about three years or something like that. Welcome back. Hello. I sort of forgot how, how the internet worked for a little while. Yes. Yeah. You did have a bit of a hiatus there. What was that sort of enforced or are you just taking a bit of time out from the social side of things? Uh, both. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's great. great. Yeah. That, that'll do it to you. If there's a good reason, that is the one. Lovely to have you back. Uh, Tim is a WordPress security consultant. I love this. Who terrifies people at conferences. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Uh, although you didn't terrify too many people, I don't think, at the WordCamp EU where he spoke recently. Tim got to speak on the grown-up stage. He was on stage one with all the many. How intimidating was that? Did you, like, I know you've done loads of that kind of thing in the past, but you've obviously had a bit of a break. But that auditorium was pretty mighty. Uh, yes. And not very full because I was giving a talk on code reviews. <laughs> That's the way to do it. So I feel that perhaps what they should have done was put me on a smaller track. And it, no, it was actually really good fun, and it was really great to be back on the stage. Oh, um, I've missed that. Yeah. Sadly, I had commitments around the time that you were on stage, but I did. I don't know if you, I I you were yachting on the AGNC, were you not? Well, no, 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 because I did come in. I had about 10 minutes where I could wander about and I came and stood at the back. You were in mid-flight. You were just about to wrap up and start the <laughs> questions bit, but I had to disappear at that point. Anyway, it was it was a true pleasure to meet you again at the socials and also, you know, watch you doing your thing. That was great. Thank you. And lastly, but my no means least, Katie Keith. How are you doing, Katie? Hi, good, thanks. Katie is the co-founder and CEO at Barn2 Plugins. We're going to feature an article of theirs in a moment. She's the co-host of the WP Product Talk podcast with Matt, if memory serves, right? Matt Cromwell. Yeah. Uh, she loves helping people to get the most out of WordPress, WooCommerce, and their WP product businesses. And as I said, we're going to find out a little bit more about Katie's WordCamp Europe as well a little bit later on. There's a few comments coming in. Thank you very much. If anybody is making a comment, really appreciate it. We've got Courtney, for example, saying good. Good morning. Uh, sorry, Tim, if these comments and I should say, Katie, this new platform that I'm using, once the comments got long, they start to slowly and progressively like get in the way of your faces and there's nothing I can do about it. Uh, but I do apologize. Rob Cairns, uh, still issues with the something. I don't know what the issues with on the website. OK, sorry. Uh, refresh is all I would say. Uh, it should go live. But if somebody wants to check out wpbuilds.com forward slash live for me and see if it's working, that would be great. Uh, good afternoon from Germany, says Birgit. Nice to see you. Good afternoon from Lisbon, where it's a balmy 32 degrees. Well, Tim and I can uh, can boast something similar in the UK at the moment. It's probably about 28, 29 here at the minute. It's it, it is uh, 32 degrees in this room at the moment. Yeah. I'm, up. Uh, I'm regretting being under some lights and not having the window open. Katie but, is at this moment room. regretting her move to the... <laughs> no, she's yeah, not. the air conditioning is blaring. <laughs> I hope you can't so hear right. it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Courtney says... It says there is a problem. It says video unavailable, playback on other websites has been disabled by the video owner. Do you know, it's weird that because it just hasn't. And I went into the settings during the course of the week. All I would say is uh, click on the little link in the YouTube video, the little... Uh, icon at the top right looks a bit like a bent over arrow and it'll just take you there and obviously lots of people have managed to get there because there's comments coming in so use your initiative click the button go to youtube it works just as well 
Uh, Michelle is being called out by Courtney, who says it's been a while. I guess you <laughs> saw her like eight hours ago or something like that. I saw her in Europe. I saw her in Montclair. Yeah. I've seen her in DC. You really She's need my to, bestie. Really need to get out more, Michelle. It's, uh, <laughs> it's I know, just it's really sad. Play. Yeah. Peach is joining us. We'll talk about her in a moment, but she's uh, saying good afternoon. And Peter Ingersoll is giving us his weather report, as he does every week these days. Good morning. It's 9 a.m., 23 degrees centigrade and rising. I'm not going to talk about that 73, whatever. That is weird metric of the weather. Um, we'll have scattered thunderstorms today. Yeah, Which we're fine in that... to me. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> we're in that scattered thunderstorm bit at the moment. The heat has uh, rolled yeah. through. And now we're just Peter, I, thunder. I had those thunderstorms about three hours ago that are yep. headed Peter's way. Yeah, so. they're coming your way. Yeah, chat mm -hmm. on the website works, but it's not available. I do apologize. Honestly, Rob, if I could, if I owned Google, I'd fix it. But unfortunately, I, actually, if I owned Google, I probably wouldn't be doing this podcast, to be fair. I'd probably be on a beach <laughs> uh, somewhere. But uh, thanks for your comments. If you put something else in, I'm just going to pass it by for the moment because we need to get onto the WordPress news. Just so that you know, Tim has got a hard stop. And so if Tim just legs it, um, we know what's going on. He intended to do it. It wasn't his technology breaking or indeed him being rude. We also have this really funny little quirk where when I share my screen, Tim freezes. So whatever position Tim's in, just a moment, he's going he's gonna to stay that way. But his audio carries on working, so we should be fine. Right, let's get to it. Here we yeah, he's done it. He's totally frozen. That's his story. That's normal. How disappointing. Yes. Oh, yeah, we needed to helping... do Next time we'll get him to do something. You didn't really give wacky. me enough notice. Yeah, sorry, Tim. <laughs> so, although it is kind of weird that you're talking but not moving. That's kind of all right. I'll give you notice next time. Uh, this is our website, wpbuilds.com. You've got the menus at the top. If you fancy subscribing, we'll send you a couple of emails each week. Just fill in this little box here. Submit your email address and two episodes of the podcast we put out, this one and one on Thursday. And that's pretty much all we're going to send your emails about. We are also having a show, Peaches on the Line. Me and Peacher, or mostly Peacher to be fair, are chatting tomorrow, roughly this time, 3 p.m. UK time. You never know. I might even get the technical Google gremlins worked out by then. We're going to do our URUX show. She's got a couple of websites lined up where she's going to go into them and, uh, and talk about them from a UI, UX point of view. We also get into deceptive design, a.k.a. dark patterns. And it's always interesting because Peach has got a lot to say about this. So if you have a website, if you go to wpbuilds.com forward slash UI, uh, you can submit this form. And uh, you never know, you might get on the show next time around. And final bit of self-promotion, apologies, is I've got the sixth and final part of the series with Mark Westgard from WS Form. We're going to be talking about, guess what, AI forms. It's a subject that you can't ignore, AI in forms. And, uh, and we're going to be doing that on Wednesday. So that's Wednesday. Same URL. It's always the same, wpbuilds.com forward slash live. And hopefully we will see you there. Right. Okay. Here we go. Now, we're going to – I think I might require Tim's help at this point because the technical, the technical amazingness of this has kind of eluded me. But at the state of the word, I'm going to call it, it wasn't the real state of the word, but Matt's address at WordCamp Europe, one of the, one of the key takeaways, one of the things that he mentioned over and over again, well, well, first of all, there was AI, but there was also this new thing called Playground, which came about at the latter end of last year. And Playground is the capability to launch a WordPress site without a server. 
So it basically, you can get it going up and running in your browser. Everything is done inside the browser. That's where my understanding stops. After that, it just becomes complete voodoo. But apparently, it's really clever. And the cleverness has been picked up by a variety of people. Adam Zelensky is behind the, the block playground. Sorry, the WordPress playground. But it was picked up by, and I'm probably going to, Miss the name. Yeah, Ella Van Derp. And do apologies, uh, Ella, if I got your name wrong there. Probably did. But they have uh, created this thing called Block Notes, which you can launch anywhere. And it's like a simple note-taking app. But I feel it's like the opening salvo of WordPress as the operating system mm -hmm. of the web. You can see it on the screen if you're looking at it. There's some screenshots on an iOS device. This all is handled completely natively. It's very cool, but I don't really understand why. So let's hope Tim can, A, come back to like Yeah, there he is. Look, he's back. Yeah, he's moving again. Um, Tim, explain why this is cool, please. Uh, okay. So it's basically all running in something called WebAssembly, which is um, sort of compiled down JavaScript that's very, it's a very niche thing. So they're taking um, PHP. PHP, which is being emulated into this into JavaScript to be used in WebAssembly to be placed into your browser. So there's lots of multiple layers of emulation and bits going on. Uh, why that's cool is because you can do things like run a mobile phone in a mobile phone app, or you can run a, spin up a test site in your browser without any of the normal technology stack. And it's client side, so there's no server involved at all. It's just sitting in your browser. However, Beyond technical demos and very niche cases, it's very niche what you actually do with it. Um, there's a few to, a few things where people have a few other things where people have been using it for like uh, there's a separate to the playground one a separate thing that automatic brought out for developers to spin up dev environments very quickly via um, npm and bits as well. And all of these come back to, yeah, but I can't do anything with this. Right. You're not going to be running your WooCommerce store out of this. Um, the instruction set for the PHP uh, WebAssembly is reduced. It's got loads of incompatibilities in places. Plugins do, getting plugins to be compatible just with a normal LAMP stack, your sort of Linux, Apache, MySQL, and PHP is hard enough. Getting it to use exoticness that is all of this is just a nightmare. Brilliant for testing blocks out with. Brilliant for writing, making a little note-taking app that could have been done in 20 lines of JavaScript in a different <laughs> um, But it makes a point, and it does bring a point that you can bring that power through and use that in a load of different places. Right. But uh, beyond being a very cool tech demo, and uh, it gets lots of JavaScript people very excited. And one of the things I think um, with everything moving over to Blocks and Gutenberg, the need to bring in external JavaScript people seems to have been a big theme and a big push. And so this is a way of exciting that new group of people in rather right. than perhaps the traditional WordPress audience who's can go, cool. Yeah, the... The, the, you know, there's only a few things really over the last couple of years that I can think where Matt has sort of said, basically, this is important. And one of them was JavaScript, well, probably five years ago when they were just beginning that push towards Gutenberg. And then 
And then now AI seems to be the the trumpet that he's blowing. Um, you know, learning the tools, not necessarily learning to program in AI or or create the next chat GPT, but just learning how to do the prompts and things like that. But also this, he really did talk about this. So I, I was assuming there would be applications coming down the pike. And maybe that's it, Tim. Maybe it's just that here's some foundational stuff. Let's go and see what in the next six months, a year, people can do with it. Don't get me wrong. It's very, very clever. Yeah. And, and clever's enough, spent, isn't it, sometimes? <laughs> a lot of time. And, it's going to, and if I'd done that and, thought, and got, got it to that state, I'd be excited too. <laughs> yeah. And running around and telling everybody about it. Yeah. But um, yes, it, it feels at the moment they haven't quite got a practical application beyond a cool tech demo. Yeah. Well, Courtney's got a few things to say. I'll come to you, Courtney, in a minute. But first of all, I'll just check with Katie and Michelle to see if they've got anything they want to add to this. I'm good. Shake of the head from Michelle. Because this article kind of implies you can use it almost like as a mobile app or something. But I don't think you can use it for like user facing WordPress, can you? In itself, it's like um, having, they're using the WordPress, WordPress instance on the mobile for you to interact with as if you're using a mobile app and it's storing the data locally on your mobile. So no other visitor, there's no visitors to that site. That site is effectively stored on your phone and is a note-taking app. So they're just using post features for making notes in a right. very private instance. Right. And can you share that with anybody, like via a special URL so that they can interact with it? No, because then you'd be sharing it onto your phone. And I don't think we want to, we have enough trouble in the world without random <laughs> yeah. strangers you have links onto your phone. Um, so it's a very exciting piece of technology. Who knows? From a technical point of view, it's been obviously very clever. And I, I get the feeling sometimes these clever discoveries do end up being useful down the road, but we don't have a particularly practical application of it yet. Anyway, the article in question, I'm going to, right, I'm going to freeze Tim here. So Tim, go for it quick. Yep, yeah, there, perfect. <laughs> totally worked. That's hysterical. <laughs> He's got it. his arms right out. Um, the piece is on WP Tavern. Sarah Gooding wrote it. It's called Block Notes App Runs WordPress Natively on iOS. We forgot to mention that. Uh, it's now in public beta. So all the links and everything that you need are there. Uh, let's move on to the next piece. This is the biannual survey from Yoast. And I, by that, I mean Yoast as in the person, spelled J-O-O-S-T, not Yoast, the, the, uh, the company, you know, the SEO company. And this is his market share analysis. Every six months or so, he does a little breakdown of the, the, the winners and the losers, if you like, the movers and the shakers in the CMS market. And this this period, he's taken a little bit of time out because some of the um, some of the data points that he was using uh, changed the way that they were delivering their data. I, I think some of the data was uh, amended in some way, so he couldn't do like for like comparing. But the bottom line is basically everything more or less is steady away. If you were hoping that WordPress was still on the ascendancy, I think the answer to that is no. We seem to have reached a point of, well, stagnation is the wrong word because it did grow, I believe, 0.2%. It was some small proportion of growth considering the last five years where we've seen it going up in ones and twos and threes and four percentage points. Um, yeah, so WordPress is still by far the number one. 
shop if so just to give you some idea if you're looking at the screen you'll be able to see the the sort of pie chart if you like i don't know what that's called the donuts chart um and wordpress is occupying a full 43 point something so it's this big blue bit and it's absolutely massive mm -hmm. the other big section is non uh, so, you know, that's basically something that can't be reported. We don't know what the CMS is. Uh, the other big section is other. So between other, non and WordPress, we're looking at probably about 80% of the whole chart. And the remaining 20% or so is divided up by the following. Let's just go through them. WordPress, 43.2%. Shopify staying steady on 3.8%. Wix is growing. Whoops, excuse me, I just dropped something on the floor. Wix is still growing, but it's much slower than it has been in the past, 2.5%. Squarespace is added 0.1%, but Yoast is at pains to say that Squarespace significantly altered their pricing structure. I think they put their fees up quite markedly, so to get any growth at all is really good. Joomla, steady away. Drupal, steady away. PrestaShop, going up a little bit, 0.3% growth. But given that they're such a tiny percentage, that 0.3% growth in the big donut chart is actually pretty significant. And so they are, that's the takeaway, really, that really, if you were thinking that the sky was falling in and WordPress was at some point coming to an end, doesn't look like that's the way. But also it does look like we're not going to be getting anywhere near 50% anytime soon. Let's see if we can bring, uh, see if we can bring Tim back. And oh, I was hoping it'd stay. <laughs> you were you were like that. <laughs> this is a great game. I wish you did this instinctively. So I'm going to yeah, plan your floor. next pose. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sanguine about this. Obviously, I'm in the WordPress space. Um, it's important to me that WordPress keeps growing. Stagnation or it growing a tiny bit is also equally fine. I think that's perfectly okay. What we don't would like as a community not to see is it stagnating or declining which over the last 12 months or so it doesn't seem to have done but over to you uh, i would say especially katie given that your entire um you know your business model is based upon wordpress and the growth of that platform and a big audience so i'll hand it to katie first is this important yeah. to you yeah very important i think it's a shame to report on market share without total number of installs because we're talking about things like, is it growing, is it not? But what really matters is the number of sites in the world using WordPress. Market share, I would say, is important, but is secondary to the total number of installs. So I think it's a bit misleading almost or confusing to report on one without the other. You need to see the two together. Okay, thank you for that. Michelle, anything on this? Yeah, I mean, I I think a lot of it goes back to how do we pivot or direct people into WordPress. Uh, as I've looked over the last 11 years of my involvement in WordPress, I see an, an, a population that's growing in age and not necessarily yeah. ushering in the next generation. And so that's been something that's been on my mind and I know other people's minds as well, is how do we continue to be relevant for other than us and kid, kids camps is one way to do that but let's also remember that kids camps are people who are already in wordpress bringing their own children to kids camps um, and one of the things we're going to talk about a little later is the new mentorship program we're also going to talk about different ways that wordpress events are going to are kind of pivoting and and um, we're adding to i think all of that 
is going to help keep it relevant. And then, of course, I talk all the time about representation in WordPress. And I think it's super important that people see themselves in the community and in the community leadership. And so it's important that we continue to uh, work for a greater diversity on stages in leadership, um, you know, at WordCamp leadership down to volunteers and everybody else, because that's also something that's going to help us grow uh, WordPress is that people who are interested in seeing themselves in those peer, those um, areas of leadership also see people who are like them. And so mm. I think that's one of the ways that we continue to grow. Do you know what? When I was at WordCamp Europe, I didn't go around with that set of goggles on. I wasn't really looking at the age demographic. But now that I think back, I don't have a memory of seeing boatloads of younger people. And by, by honestly, the word younger to me means something entirely different than it did a little while ago. But I would say anybody under the age of, let's say, 25. That, okay, that's my mm -hmm. classification of younger. I don't remember seeing lots and lots of people of that age. It was a much more mature, in inverted commas, I'm in such trouble, um, a much more mature audience. So that is a bit of a concern, isn't it? I do wonder... Mm -hmm. If the, if the people that are using it, creating for it, building plugins, themes, blocks, all of that kind of stuff are an older audience. And if as the timeline moves along, if they eventually, you know, they, they retire or whatever else it may be, if mm -hmm. that demographic is being filled up at the, at the younger end. I don't know. but Yeah, and that younger demographic has perhaps different values and different things that they want to see going forward than what we, and, and I speak as the oldest person in the room here, you know, um, are embracing and so we want to make sure that we are not just thinking about what we want but what the future generations are looking for yeah. as far as involvement and with what a cms looks like for them yeah you're right we're going to get to a couple of those things including word camps in a moment but i'll just leave leave it open for tim if he's got anything he wants yeah. to say about this you've been around for years you've seen it grow haven't you and here uh, we are <clears throat> i would say that um, i want to slightly echo what katie said which was um that the numbers uh, percentages don't really mean very much and then it would be much more useful to have figures and those numbers don't really reflect active installs and actively managed and maintained sites they are just a, a selection of interesting numbers that have been put into pretty charts so we shouldn't focus on them it, it's not it's not a good it's not necessarily even important to know that there's growth or negative or stagnation because okay if things are stagnating or going backwards does that really reflect anything other than maybe driving us to do something better? And if yeah. that's the case, then maybe we should have the, some negative growth to drive to better improvement. I don't think we should worry too much about the numbers at all. Yeah. And percentages are of no use whatsoever. That's an interesting point. I should I should have probably been at pains at the at the top to say that the data is derived from now, let me see if I three can yeah, thank you. And it's basically the top 10 million, or uh, there's a caveat to that as well, the top 10 million or top 1 million. And I don't know how that is ranked. But uh, yeah, so it's not based upon the number of installs. It is literally some arbitrary thing. But I guess he's got to get his data somewhere. And uh, and yes, I love a good donut chart, you know. <laughs> we just way... need to know how big is the donut in total Yeah, as well. good, good, good point. Okay, so we'll fire a message off to Yoast and say, can we know what the <laughs> what the donut is? How much do we need to eat? How fat are we going to get if we eat the donut, the entire donut? Um, just say, Rob, I've now checked it on my end and the video is working. I'm in Brave, which is a Chromium-based browser. It's working for me, so I genuinely don't know 
what's gone wrong on your end, but the fact that it's happened to you twice in a row and not to me, maybe it's something with the configuration or perhaps a Chrome extension that you've got. You've got that pesky WP Builds block extension, haven't you? I know the one written by probably Tim or somebody like that. <laughs> Quickly, I'll go back to the previous article. We were talking... Uh, a little while ago, and Courtney dropped something in. We were talking about the um, the playground, and duh, 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 where's it gone? Where's it gone? Here we go. Courtney says, there is a new plugin in the repo related to WP Playground that came out over the weekend, and it seems to be called Interactive Code Block. And there's a further comment. Uh, it enables modifying code snippets within a post page and seeing it apply in real time into a WP Playground embedded instance. Um, and then she goes on to say, I'd love for, the, for WP Mobile app to be as easy to use as the note-taking app. OK, so the, the friction of it was very, very low, was it? Thank you very much indeed. Thanks, Courtney, for that. OK, right. It's that time we're going to get Tim to do something stupid and uh, put the screen back. Yeah, look, look, yeah. Oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is great. I want this to be a feature of this platform. Oh, brilliant. Okay, so the next piece that we're going to talk about is this one. Um, right, I, I've got a feeling this piece is going to take up quite a lot of the conversation today, so... Buckle up. WordPress confirms eight pilot events to launch the next generation camps in 2023. Forgive the self-promotion a bit again, but I did do a, a podcast episode with Angela Jin, who's an automatician, and she... To say that she's in charge of WordCamps is over-egging it, but she does have a, uh, she does have some oversight into what gets um, created and how WordCamps may look. So if you want to go over onto the WP Tavern website, go to the podcast tab, and you can listen to Angela Jin talking about how WordPress events might change in the future. And almost exactly a week after we recorded that episode, this piece came out. Um, with now, we've now got eight pilot events which are going to launch the next generation of WordCamps in 2023. So these are all coming down the pike. They are, so far from this article, they're very small events. It's not like we're trying to change WordCamp Europe because that's radical and big and would be like turning a giant oil tank around. The ones that have been granted, well, given permission to go ahead so far are much smaller so 63 ideas were generated. 59 organizers came forward and stepped up and said, I'll be willing to implement these ideas. And so an example uh, is the first ever low-cost WordCamp, which is going to be happening, believe it or not, just in the next few days. It's going to be happening on July the 1st, 2023. It looks like they've got uh, 90 attendees. It's going to be hosted by organizers, but they're trying to keep the costs low. So that's kind of interesting because every WordCamp that I've been to, there's been a lot of free swag, mugs, T-shirts, all of that given away. And you do sort of question the purpose of that. Is it really worth producing that? Uh, so no swag, no social, no dinner, no after party, one track, presentation, show up for the day and kind of, I guess, you know, decide where everybody's going to go at the end and pay your own way. Uh, there's another one happening in Sevilla in Spain. That is a WordPress day. That's going to be happening just a day later, 2nd of July. 50 attendees. Um, 
And then there's another one in Tigal, Indonesia. Forgive me if I pronounced Tigal wrong. That's called Scale Up. It's happening in October. 50 participants, again, one day. So the pattern that I'm seeing here, the ones that they're authorizing at the moment are little, you know, under 100 participants, easy to put on, easy to, easy presumably for WordCamp Central to say, yes, go for it because there's probably not a lot of overhead or organization. I don't know if sponsors are involved or if it's just the global sponsors. Anyway, this seemingly is the beginning of the new direction. Smaller, stripped down, perhaps less social stuff, less, you know, bands, after parties, all of that kind of stuff. And I know, Michelle, you've got thoughts on this, so I think I'll bring Tim back. It's, Tim's still looking very <laughs> I know, but it like looks like that. he's so interested in what we yeah. have to say. <laughs> I'm still doing it! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Oh, Play in the, the game, Tim. Thank you so much. Uh, Michelle, I'll let you rip yes. on this one. So I've been to two small word camps this year already, Word Camp Buffalo and Word Camp Montclair, which was just this past weekend. And neither of them had swag. I did donate stickers to Word Camp Buffalo, but like the camp itself didn't produce swag. Um, word Camp Buffalo had about 90 uh, people attend. And we did have the after party. Uh, and, and then at Montclair, they had they pulled out all the swag from the last four years put it all out on the table and let people take t-shirts and things like that, which was nice. great. Um, and then there also was no after party. And so it was interesting because I thought uh, also there was only two, two sponsors who showed up and had ta a table there. And so um, GoDaddy Pro was one of them and the other was Jetpack. Other than that, any of the sponsors who were sponsoring the camp weren't there with, with a booth. And I thought it was very interesting. And it, it allowed people to kind of talk to those two sponsors who were very invested, of course, but also just kind of generally mill about. And if you weren't in a session, you could sit, there was plenty of places to sit and talk to people and do that networking. Um, I wouldn't have gone to the after party anyway, because I mean, there was unofficial after parties, right? So people like, hey, let's get together at Dave and Buster's or whatever, but I had no, I had no voice and I couldn't talk over a crowd anymore. So I just went for Indian food. But that said, I think there is a benefit to these smaller groups. Um, there's more of an opportunity to get to know the people who are coming. There's less pressure on the organizers to create more and more and more. Um, ordering swag is not an easy thing, especially if you do the t-shirt thing, you know, and having to coordinate all of that considering yes everybody who puts out a word camp is a volunteer and they probably have full-time jobs or more than one job when they're doing those kinds of things and so making it a little bit simpler for the organizers making it a little bit simpler for the attendees um i don't think it's a bad thing will mm. i miss the way things always have been yes because i'm a creature of habit but i also am able to learn and grow and participate in different ways yeah, well, thank you for that. That was really interesting. I kind of like the idea of attending an event with 50-odd people because I think the chances of you colliding with more or less everybody are pretty high. I did mm -hmm. feel like, I guess, Katie, from a sponsor's point of view, Katie and Barn2 were an official sponsor at WordCamp EU, so they had a booth. We'll look at that in a minute. Um, but the, the enterprise there is the more people that turn up and walk past your booth, the better, I guess. But there is something to be said for, you know, at what, at what point does it become too overwhelming and there's too many people in the room and you never really get to be. Honestly, the amount of time I saw people like over there somewhere 
and I never kind of managed to make that connection. And I, I feel in some way making it a little bit smaller might be quite nice. Uh, Beergit says the WordCamp in Leipzig might feel a little bigger meetup day uh, as, and is organized by Robert Windich. He's the guy. Yeah, he's the guy with the, the hat. Uh, I love the idea of having a low cost WordCamp. Yeah, I'm I'm into that. I, 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 I know that a lot of people go with like a half empty bag so that they can fill it up with swag i'm exactly the opposite i go with a full bag because i want to want to take all the things and i now don't pick anything up i basically leave as i arrived because i think that's important for me but um yeah anyway let's hand it over to katie probably got a, a slightly different opinion because of the you know size is important if you're going to be sponsoring yeah it's interesting in the past we've had uh word camps which have generally been quite big at least with multiple sponsors and um so on and we've had local WordPress meetups, which are more informal. It sounds to me like there's the local meetups are almost starting to get a more formal WordCamp thing, um, badge organized centrally a bit more. So that's likely to take over maybe some of the smaller meetups. Uh, personally, it's not that relevant to me because I think it's for people that live in more populated areas I live on a small island I know of maybe one WordPress person on the island I'm not going to be going to any of these realistically um to make it I like the idea but with like child care responsibilities and things I probably would only prioritize the big ones um where you're going to meet more people from all over the world and so on but uh, I can see why it'd be really relevant if you did live near a city with quite a big WordPress presence yeah. Interesting that the swag thing just seems to be getting a, you know, Peach is making a comment here. She says, uh, when I see all those mounds of, mounds of swag, I instantly think landfill. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's mm. basically what I think. Um, I'm, you know, I'm not against it, each to their own and all that kind of thing. But um, Courtney, again, thank you, Courtney. Uh, it feels like a return to word camps I attended before the foundation existed. It's back to how we began having camps in a minimal way. Courtney, I was never attending those kind of events. So I wonder if if you feel like giving us yet another comment. Thank you, by the way. Um, what does that mean? Was it that you just that like they were just made up and people kind of invented them and somehow socialized around it? And you know, there was there was no WordCamp Central that you needed to go to. You might need to give me Tim's nodding like he knows. Do you have an answer to that, Tim? Uh, well, I mean, WordCamps come from uh, are more of, uh, the original ones were much more closer to a bar camp, which is an unconference. Just which the whole idea was, it's just a place to turn up and gather, and then the talks became sort of span out, and we started to gain, for one of a horrible term, a more professional image of a conference. And word camps have turned into conferences, uh, and uh, but they're conferences being put on entirely by volunteers who are not conference organizers, who, mm. with the exception of the really big ones, aren't allowed to take on the costs associated with having a conference team organize it. So you have very stressed organizers who are doing their best. And there have been loads of brilliant innovations through WordCamps, which we um, I worry about losing with the smaller ones. Um, I. When, when you, if you've ever watched um, live, trans, live captioning, for example, which I rely on as somebody, you know, I, I can hear, I, I'm not deaf, but I, and I'm not hard of hearing, but sometimes I 
find myself watching the live captions more than I'm listening to the speaker because I can take that in in a mm. pace that's reasonable for me. When it's not being done by a person and it's being automated and I'm there going, what about love goblins? <laughs> I'll be right. Surely, at least it draws me back to the speaker. Um, <laughs> yeah. and that's the only thing going for it. But that's an example of where we, where you see things cutting costs, where we see things going back. When we start looking at things and saying, well, okay, we can have one less room so we don't have a quiet room. Uh, where we say, okay, well, we don't need this. We don't need these bits. We don't need these bits. And my biggest problem with WordCamp Europe, and it's an example of WordCamps generally, is WordCamps have become very... Uh, they're, they're, they're only, there's only a certain level of accessibility. Uh, and and by not just in terms of a physical sense, but being accessible to people. Um, we, we took, they're saying get rid of after parties. The, the whole concept of an after party, where there's lots of alcohol and loud music and dancing and all of this going on, you've completely excluded two thirds of the people who are going to that WordCamp. There are people who who, who are, couldn't even step into the building if it was in a night, let's say a nightclub, um, that, that don't want to drink. Then you've got the people who, you know, like to be able to hear the person next to them. Who it don't. is a networking event. Yeah, it, it's like, why did you come to WordCamp? I wanted to meet my friends. Did you want to dance with your friends? Sure. Did you want to talk to them? No, nah, you don't want to talk to your friends. <laughs> That's not a thing you do. <laughs> So on the one hand, I like this idea of the smaller word camps because it means that we might get back to being more inclusive and more friendly. And the larger the word camp, on the whole, there are exceptions. I'm thinking London in particular, but there are exceptions. But on the whole, the larger the word camp, the more they try to make it into a proper conference, the less friendly it becomes, the less inclusive I think it actually becomes, the less accessible I think it is to the local community. So having a small word camp is positive in that way. Might be less on the on the organisers, but we still got to make sure that we maintain that accessibility across the board. Um, the other thing is that in places like the UK, we haven't had word camps for the last three four years. No, um, you tr we're not going to be able to run really small word camps. Or if we do, they'll just be crammed with people. They won't turn out. You know, uh, if we run word camp Ely. Hi, Babs, who's on the... Who <laughs> <laughs> no, is also is wishfully wishing for WordCamp Ely, and she gets 100 people come, come along. They're not going to be 100 people from Ely because every WordPresser in the UK is suddenly going to try and descend on the, on the poor little, effectively a village, though it claims to be a city of Ely. Um, and we're going to have this problem where we're just not going to be able to get the local communities involved and get them into the word camps because everybody from the rest of the country wants to come in. So we in the UK really need a larger word camp or a couple of what larger word camps to allow us to sort of, I don't know, release that pressure valve. So we've all got somewhere to go to, to meet on an annual or, or semi-annual basis. And then the smaller regional ones can take up the strain around that. Um, also as a sponsor, because I'm very lucky, I've been in the position of being a speaker a sponsor, an attendee, an organizer, a volunteer. Um, so I think I've gone, done You've all You've done the lot, yeah. I, I haven't stood outside and heckled. Maybe they, that, that should be my last one. <laughs> going down with word camps. Um, I haven't done that yet, but maybe that will be next time. But um, 
as a as a sponsor, uh, I can tell you from when I, I used to man a stand, the bigger the event, the less we got out of it. Oh, interesting. Because you, the financial commitment becomes larger and larger. But you have only got a fixed number of people. They come to your stand. You have a fixed number of people. You can only have a fixed number of conversations. If you have a large amount of people coming backwards and forwards, they also have, they're trying to spread out to many, many to many of the sponsors. You end up in this thing where you're having very short conversations and then they're disappearing. Whereas at the smaller ones, you have people who can you can sit and chat and you can actually talk to the customers. So it does depend on the product, obviously, but. On the whole, if you're a sponsor and you're looking to, or if you're looking to get into the sponsor, on the whole, WordCamp sponsoring is a terrible business model. If you're going to sponsor a WordCamp, you're not doing it for money. You're not doing it expecting a return. If you are, you'll it'd be very unlikely that it's going to happen. But it does mean that you can have the great conversations, and those are the really important things because those conversations, you might not see that return on investment right now. But those conversations will last years because that person will go on to recommend you across the board. At a bigger WordCamp, you can you still might have that conversation, but the chances of having it is smaller because you need to rush through as many people as you can. And there's mm. so much movement around. So I actually think if you can invest in it as a sponsor, investing in turning up at the smaller WordCamps is going to give you the best return. So. Interesting. In a way, it feels like at the moment we're we're sort of going full circle. Then that we're kind of we're talking about smaller events, which feel like from some sort of halcyon day um, back a few years ago. And in that, so there's, there's quite a few comments come through, and I'll try to parse these as best I can. First thing to say is Peacher. Uh, says that paying organizers would be a good idea at small events. WordCamps have created and cemented a solid niche, sorry, nationwide community in Spain, and it's a shame to lose that. So, yeah, there's the, the paying of those people. Uh, Courtney, again, thank you, is saying uh, she's grown more excited about the next-gen WordCamps having a topical focus as well so small regions so yeah so we should say that not only are the geographical constraints and the size under discussion but also topic based ones so it may be that in the future we have a word camp which well let's just pluck a topic out of thin air seo for example uh, or mm -hmm. woocommerce some, something like that so the, the topic might be specific so courtney's excited about small events like that um who's this one this is cameron hello cameron uh he says he's all for smaller niche camps but m considering most communities are struggling just getting back in person i feel at this point in time it risks being detrimental to those communities um i think it helps peacher says uh, bypass the hot potato of paying speakers and organizers bigger events apart from too much swag. They're really great and they help so many of us in so many ways. Do you know what? I think the, 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 yeah, the, the takeaway from this is we've got to experiment, right? We don't know what the right answer is. And it looks like a period of experimentation is going to be important. Courtney, again, she seems to be happy with you, Tim. Tim has it. We planned informal after-party locations as well. No speaker-sponsored dinner either. Swag. Do you know what it, you were saying, Tim, about the the WordPress events, the the after-party? I did feel, and please, if you are a part of the organising team for WordCamp EU, please don't take this as a criticism because I realise there was a lot of people in that environment who were having a great time. I personally didn't find I could stay for very long. 
Um, I, that's not true. I actually did stay at the venue, but I was on the outside. Mm. Um, and I was with Michelle. Katie was there. And uh, it was I couldn't actually hear anything. And for me, yeah, the event was more about talking than anything else. So, uh, yeah, interesting. I wonder if we wonder if we could have a choice. The quiet after party and the noisy after party and see <laughs> see which crowd goes where. Tim's about to we say something. We were talking about talk. how to get the younger people involved. Yeah, true. Um, yeah, we do need to cater for that, but not just that, which is the problem this year. Yeah, nobody's going to show up for the Baroque Quintet. Uh, <laughs> are they? <laughs> Tim I mean, is you know, Tim's going. <laughs> yeah. uh, what? What I would say, and I can't remember who said it, um, uh, but someone came up with the idea, well, if they want that, that's fine. Silent raves are a thing. We hand them out. And for the younger people, it could be a really interesting exploration when we give them Walkmans. Oh. And, they, mm -hmm. and we watch they as they what to do. Yeah. <laughs> it provides entertainment across the board. But um, no, I, I, I was, I, I jokingly said that next uh, WordCamp Europe, I'm going to arrange my own fringe event and it's going to be in a board game club. Or in a board game. I love that. Mm. And I'm just going to sit there and enjoy myself. And <laughs> My demo has actually done okay. that. But I feel I've got a sneaky feeling that we'd pack somewhere out quite easily yeah. <laughs> and have people on the outside around the corner. Well, I guess in these new environments, you can organize all of that yourself. Um, beer get making that. Sorry, Michelle, I feel I cut you off there. Did you want to say something? You did. Oh, it's okay. Yeah. yeah, I was just going to say WordCamp Kent, the last one before the pandemic, uh, it was a two-day camp. And one day they provided lunch. And the second day they had split ups all up into small groups to go to local restaurants yeah. where you paid for your own lunch, but you were able to have discussions with about 10 people at that local restaurant around that table. So mm -hmm. you bought your own lunch, which is, I mean, most of us are fully fine with doing that. And then also it allowed you to actually have conversations seated where somebody was serving you you didn't have to go through a long queue to get your lunch and find some place to balance it on your knees or whatever you know happens in a lot of uh word camps so that's also an option right so that we don't even have to necessarily provide lunch if you have a way to and and uh word camp toronto did that once as well so that you were kind of split up into these groups you signed up for which group and which restaurant you wanted to go to and then you went with that and there was one person who was in the charge of that group and made sure the conversation flowed and that everybody felt comfortable and invited and that's a really nice way to kind of counteract some of the expense but also the the idea of these large groups and not knowing how to really network well yeah um kind of interesting you know you know that thing that you're doing before you go to a big word camp like word camp europe where you're looking at all the social things and you're trying to figure out which because they often happen collide trying to figure out which ones to go to honestly this is me being a bit of an old curmudgeon if something said no music i'd be i'd be at that one immediate mm -hmm. that would be the top of my list uh, or mm -hmm. at least, you know, very just normal background, you know, quiet music that would jump right to the top of my list. Mm -hmm. Because for me, it genuinely is about having conversation. Ge conversation is the point. And uh, Birgit, again, thanks for your commentary. She says, while organizing WordCamp Germany after the pandemic, it became difficult to carry on those kind of events because the cost of the of housing them became ridiculously expensive. Mm -hmm. I know I won't talk about names or numbers but i know that the the wordcamp london crew found the exact same thing like exorbitantly expensive to the point where it was just like you look at the number did they accidentally add a zero to that what the heck um that kind of thing so yeah and then mike thank you for joining us mike johnson 
I had some interesting discussions at WordCamp EU about the ultimate size of the event. It seems possible that it could be getting too big. Yes. So here's an interesting thing. It feels like these next-gen WordCamp conversations seem to be bubbling that up, don't they? It seems like there's some kind of undercurrent now of people thinking, hmm, let's go small again. So maybe that's if that's all that comes out of it, then maybe that'll be good. Uh, Tim, we're about to uh, <laughs> we're about to do that thing again. Uh, go. Ah! <laughs> He's, <good. laughs> He's put his put his thumb on his nose. That's brilliant. Uh, you've got to watch this episode. If you're listening to the audio, go back and watch it because it's well worth it. Uh, so we're going to go to Katie's piece, which is directly related to this. So Katie. As she said in the in the bio at the beginning, uh, is from Barn Two Plugins. They specialize in extending the functionality, particularly of WooCommerce. You, I believe, it's true in saying, Katie, this was your first either major sponsorship or sponsorship of any kind. It was any word, kind, yeah. Any kind, perfect. Mm. So you wrote an article about it. I read it. I could paraphrase it, but I'd rather you did it. What were your takeaways from that event? Did they did they overlap with what we've just said, or did they? You know, were you entirely optimistic? Was it was it money well spent? Would you rather it was some of the things that we just talked about? Over to you. Yeah, it was really interesting. It was crazy. It was so busy. Um, I've been reflecting on uh, during this conversation about um, the sponsoring small versus large because I feel I spoke to a huge number of people, but briefly. So in a way, it would have been nice to be at a smaller event to talk to people in more depth for longer. So you speak to fewer people, but you really build that relationship. Um, like there are videos of me talking to people at the booth that I don't even remember. And I was sober. Uh, I just don't <laughs> even. I, there was just so many people to talk to. And um, I think it was probably good for awareness raising. But the biggest benefit, I would say, was for my team because, um, that well, our, my team is like 17 in total, but there were six of us at WordCamp Europe. And um, it was a really good bonding experience. And I think it was good training for them to have to represent us at a booth and be talking in a kind of promotional way, really, about our, what we do and our products and what the company is. And I think it helps to crystallize things in their mind and give some context to their work because they're talking to real customers and um, the pain points that our products can solve and so on. So I think that in terms of the bonding and the context was really valuable. And if you think about the cost of the value of a good team member, then that pays for the sponsorship quite easily. Uh, we also ran a 50% off sale. And this follows from what we said earlier. We have had no sales on that coupon code, not even one. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, wow. yeah not one. Uh, then we gave people like leaflets and everything and told them about it and nobody has bought a plug-in using that code. That's so, fascinating. Yeah. Okay. And as Tim was saying about the ROI, it is not about sales. Maybe it is long-term. Maybe these people will be more likely to use our product in the future, but there's no evidence. There's no proof, is there? So we can only judge ROI in terms of like the immediate partnerships we built with other product companies and uh, team impact, really. 
Wow, I am. That's that is a. Firstly, thank you for being so candid. You didn't need to share that information, so that's that's interesting. But it also does speak to because I honestly, if you'd have said how many sales did you think you'd have got from that fifty percent coupon, I would have gone for a big number, not a zero number. Yeah, Mark um, Westgard did one last year, and he said it more than paid for his booth. Um, so I did the same, and we've had no sales. So I don't know. Yeah, that's really interesting. Okay, so maybe the long and the short of that is that you also are sort of valuing the the conversations and the fact that you're meeting potentially hundreds and hundreds of people, but for tiny amounts of time mm. is maybe not as valuable as meeting half a dozen people for an extended period of time. I used to, when I was younger and a bit more naive and all of that, I used to attend local networking events. And I, I went to a few of them and they were just, they were my idea of an absolute hell. But I persevered for a little while. What I quickly learned was that as soon as I found the one person in the room that I could talk to, I spent the entire rest of the session <laughs> talking to that person. And I was watching all the other people flitting about. And what always happened was that I kept in touch with them. That Like that one hour that I spent with that one person inevitably led to something better than the person who was throwing out cards for 20 seconds here, there and everywhere. So yeah, um, that's my experience anyway, for what it's I, worth. I've said, uh, you know, I've, I've been a part of teams that have sponsored lots of WordCamps in the past. Um, first it was GiveWP and now it's Stellar. And I've said over and again to anybody who listen that WordCamps are not necessarily something where you're going to draw a direct ROI. Um, it's all about branding and brand awareness and working within the community to make sure that people know who you are and what you do. And that over time, that becomes part of your whole brand strategy. And that in a, in eventually turns into those sales. But it's really difficult to draw that direct ROI from we did a WordCamp and here's our sales. Um, that Mark was able to do that is very unusual, I think, which I think is awesome for him. Um, but I, my guess also is that his first WordCamp was very different than subsequent WordCamps because you mm. really do have to build your brand within the community and having that face there and talking to people is how you begin to do that. Yeah. Boy, this All is... hope is not lost, Katie. No, no, that's right. Fascinating. <laughs> yeah. I apologize. We spent a very large amount on that one topic, but it does feel like the powers that be, if you like, are trying to trickle down a different form of WordCamp largely inspired by the you know the drop off of numbers and then the pandemic and trying to bring them back up again and it does seem like some interesting conversations are coming out of here especially around you know topic based ones and the smaller size of them yeah okay thank you that was fascinating really enjoyed that uh right the next one is i want to give it oh it's tim sorry i've got to ask you to adopt some sort of yeah how many can you do how many how many yeah 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 that's great look at his long hair <laughs> good <laughs> he's playing along so well <laughs> yeah i love it when people play along i love all this stuff um this is a bit of a hat tip so uh jess frick who is a very very frequent uh, panelist on this show she's one of the co-hosts she is from pressable and i got two notifications from the two companies involved this week uh pressable is obviously a, a wordpress hosting company main wp is a plugin that you can buy in order to manage all of your WordPress websites, so updates um, and all of that kind of thing. It, it really is not doing it justice just to call it updates, but it's a self-hosted 
um, maintenance plugin, which handles a boatload of things, including client reporting and all that kind of thing. Uh, she reached out to tell me that this week, uh, Pressable have joined forces with MainWP, um, and they now have an extension to MainWP, which allows you to do a whole slew of things. So, for example, if you've logged into your MainWP website, you link your Pressable account, you can create a new site, sync the data, um, you can edit them, disable sites, delete sites. I'm literally just reading off the screen here. You can enable or disable their CDN, visit the PHP My Admin page, manage all of your backups on Pressable, all that kind of stuff. So basically a full-on integration. So MainWP, I think, is used by uh, lots and lots of people. I think last time I read it was you know m many, many hundreds of thousands. And so this seems like a, a really good move. So if you are a MainWP user and you've given any thought to using Pressable, there's perhaps another reason you might wish to do that. So hat tip. I'll offer it to the rest of you, but I don't know if anybody wants to say anything there. I think it's a great Except Dennis Dornan, who just popped in at the right moment there. Dennis is the founder of MainWP, so that was good timing, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, I can highly recommend MainWP. Uh, it is basically the first thing. Honestly, some t this is going to be a horrible... By the way, I'm going to bring Tim back on. Is he still? No, he's back. <laughs> he's back. Um, he was in the previous pose. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, this is a sad admission, but sometimes I have updated my WordPress websites before I've got out of bed. That's a bit sad, isn't it? And I've used my WP uh, to do just that. Click one button, wait a few seconds, and they all get updated in the background. And now... You can do all that stuff with Pressable as well. So bravo um, to Dennis and bravo, well, Jess, but Jess's team as well, and obviously Dennis's team. Michelle, Katie, Tim, anything on that, or shall I move on? WP Speakers is hosted on Pressable. They donated the, they donated the hosting for that, so shout out to them for that. Nice. Yeah. There you go. Uh, right. Thank you. Uh, appreciate that. Right, I don't even know if this is worth uh, mentioning, but I'm going to mention... Oh, no, no, Tim! Tim's got something on this. I, I, I couldn't quite sum it up why it was important. But in WordPress 6.3, the tool itself is dead cool. It's currently being called the Command Center. If you've got a Mac, we've got this thing on the Mac called Spotlight, where you invoke it with a keyboard shortcut, and it basically gets you anywhere you need to go on your Mac. You start typing, and it, it, you know, it filters all of the different things that might match the kind of search you're about to put in. WordPress is going to ship something similar called the Command Center uh, very soon. Uh, you can see a picture of it on the um, on the screen if you're doing that. If not, it literally is like Spotlight. You've got a search bar, and the more you type, the more suggestions come up. Um, but it's thought that the term command center is a little bit technical, a little bit on the techie side. I personally think it's pretty cool. But there's um, there's talk about renaming it, and the, the winning contender at the moment seems to be, Tim, what is it, Wayfinder or something? Have I got that right? Yeah. Wayfinder. Um, I don't know. I don't. What's wrong with command center? Uh, you said you had something to say on this, so I'm hoping you've got something to say on this. Pretty, pretty much. It's it's, it's a command palette. It's always yep. been a command palette. That's what it is. It's a technical thing. I know more that, that. You know, it, it's designed. It's for for uh, more power users to use short who are used to using keyboard short commands. Um, they will know it as a command palette. Everybody else will know it as a command palette. It's a command palette. Right, Why are we reinventing random terms for a command yeah. palette? I do not yeah. know. 
I don't but even know what a wayfinder is. It sounds like something out of Game of Thrones. I, I, I was thinking more Moana, which I think shows the difference in our TV levels. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what, I, what I did really want to highlight was, that, well, this is very cool. Um, something that's available right now is a something called Turbo Admin by my friend Ross, which is a plugin. A, a plugin you can use it as a plugin, but you can also use it as a browser extension, which means you don't need to install it on every WordPress site. And it allows this command palette type functionality across the entire site, not just inside the Gutenberg block editor. Yeah. Um, I love some of the features that are coming out of the new command center, which we will hopefully rename as command palettes and not Wayfinder. Um, but uh, I think that they've obviously started small. And I'd love to see more of the functionality that is in Turbo Admin moving across. Um, but one of the rings I really like about Turbo Admin is that I can use that on any site right now. Um, and, and I don't need to pre-install anything because it's just in my browser. So I really, the reason for putting this on was basically to give a shout out to a friend. Yes. Yes. But, yeah, Turbo Admin. Is... Blatant nepotism. Love it. Um, yeah. The Honestly, I've been banging on about Turbo Admin forever. It is great. Just go get it. Um, it's it, And the best bit is it literally lives inside the browser. And I know that you're thinking, well, all right, why is that so interesting? It's because you don't have to install it anywhere. You go to any WordPress website and it figures it out. It knows that you're on a, in the WordPress admin. And so you just install it into the browser once and you're off to the races. But it is a plugin as well. So if you want to be, who knows, editing on your mobile phone, you Ross has got your back. Why you would want to do that? I don't know. Maybe the guys at Playground can tell us. Uh, anyway, so Wayfinder it might be. And as Cameron says, it's not really a WordPress project unless there's, a, unless there's some, <laughs> kind of, some kind of fuss about the way it's He makes a good point. <laughs> yeah. I will find um, that hill and I will walk up it. That's right, yeah. Honestly, though, all the silliness around the name aside, really cool feature i can imagine six months from now when it has come out i will be using my keyboard to achieve almost all the bits and pieces as i said i'm using turbo admin so i'll probably just stick with that but you know for those that haven't it's going to be there kate bell anything on that or shall we move on um, yeah, I think Wayfinder is kind of trendy and not intuitive yeah. for the user. Um, I thought the article did a good po uh, job of describing exactly what it is because it's not just a command center for um, developer types. It's also for searching and navigating and finding things. Um, so I think command center still does the job. But I was wondering about something like Hub or something because it's like your central place for getting stuff done. But yeah, I think it should just be called something really boring, like, I don't know, Brian or Hermione or something like that. Just uh, invoke Brian and off we go. <laughs> Tim's like, hmm. I, was, yes. I, was, I, I know some Brian's, they're not boring. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, I'm in trouble with the whole Brian constituency. And then you've got the Hermione. So yeah, yeah, I've boring. really blown it. Um, yeah, I like it. <laughs> One of the things that I use Ross's tool for, which I know it seems silly, but you know when you've got like a thousand, honestly, I've got a thousand posts and you want to track down that one, like you, it, that is a faff. And if you can just start typing it in, I know there's the WordPress search, but the ability to do it right away, it just, where, whatever screen you want, you don't have to go to the post section or whatever. That saves me lots of time. So anyway, there we go. Um, right, I'm not going to keep doing that joke uh, at Tim's expense, but we are going to go back to this. Oh, okay. T Tim wants that joke at his expense. There no, we go. I just got a big I know, it's in the wrong place. Never mind. <laughs> 
loving this. Uh, if you are a Gravatar user, um, you've probably known for ages that Gravatar is a is an automatic-owned tool and it allows you to globally publish an image of you, basically, onto a whole load of services. Uh, there are actually quite a lot of services using it. So, um, for example, I think Slack user and a whole bunch of other things, Discuss uh, or Discuss, uh, Stack Overflow, GitHub, Trello, and a bunch of other things use it. Tim's now gone. Let's... <laughs> Um, he said enough of this. Yes, enough of this. <laughs> I have had enough. Uh, I'm furious. Now, he did say that he was going to go at some point, so that might actually yeah. be the moment that he's had to leave. Let's just have a look. Yeah. So, yeah, I think he's got to go. So we'll probably see Tim another time. But he did say that he was going to go. So farewell, Tim. It's been nice having you. Um, now, over on Gravatar, you can start to use it as a bit more of a promotional tool. So rather than sort of signing up to a site and just bringing your um emoji along if you like or your grab your avatar along for the ride you can now add in some uh payment options so i don't know somebody like me for example um i i could use it just to sort of say okay if you want to donate to the podcast to keep the lights on you can do that it's pretty basic you log in and you've got three options you can use a paypal dot me link you can use a patreon link and there's another one this is basically what you get um there's my profile page and you just get these things at the bottom but i did think it's kind of curious because i use us i i have used in the past a bunch of services where people can donate um and they are proprietary sometimes they involve a fee or a slice of your donation so let's say somebody donates me ten dollars maybe the platform will take 50 cents of that or a dollar of that um, but this seems like maybe that's what they're getting into. Just the idea to have this one universal place where you can put your identity, link it up and prove that you exist on other platforms. Anyway, they've added it in. Whether or not anybody's going to use it, I don't know, but it's a thing. Anything to add to that? Well, I, I can't say anybody would ever send me money via that, but I suppose if you have a completely different type of work or something, then it might be useful, even informally with friends needing to send you money for paying you back for something, whatever. But I do like the idea of a kind of a universal online business card type thing, particularly yeah. with something like QR codes, uh, which we could then print for and stick onto our uh, WordCamp badges, for example. Uh, we currently do our own each time, and um, it would be quite nice if that maybe there was a central Gravatar place for all of that so you could refer people more easily. It's kind of funny that there are places that do that. There's there's quite a slew of SaaS apps, and the whole enterprise is just to have a one-page bio, basically, and Gravatar seems to be in a really good position to do that because you can, yeah. you know, you can log in all over the place. You're probably going to be using it repeatedly. And it seems like, you know, if you can add in links and, I don't know, it shows up on your Slack post and somebody can click through to that and donate. Yeah. Is it a bit like a Linktree? With a payment I don't know feature? what Linktree is, but is that one of those platforms? Yeah. So Linktree is like, I don't remember, linktr.ee or something like uh -huh. that, um, where you can on their platform, list all of the different things you're involved in. So it's like a one-stop shop so that on Instagram, on TikTok, on those places, you have one uh, place where people can Venmo you or see your Amazon wish list or your blog, your show, your store, all of your e-commerce, those kinds of things. Um, I used to have a link tree. It's probably still out there somewhere. I've replaced it with my own meetmichelle.online, which is what, you know, where I put everything that I want people to find my links for. 
Um, but I don't have like a, actually, I do think I have a buy me a coffee on there, right? Which is one way people can give you a tip or something like that. Um, I think Gravatar is, is looking to become something similar, uh, but right. more specific, like more niche for the WordPress community. Yeah, I think you're right. And honestly, I would use this. Obviously, the payment piece is probably not really going to be that significant. The, the the platforms that just do that, they go out of their way to construct a UI and a UX, which yeah. kind of guides you down that path and enables kind of recurring donations and that kind of thing. Um, but anyway, it's I mean, but curious. I have over the years, I've probably over the last three years, I've probably gotten close to $150 through buy me a coffee. Yeah. So this would be that instead. Yeah. And this would probably be more likely to, you could probably put this more easily on GitHub and things like that. Right. Where if people wanted to contribute to your project, they could do it that way. Well, what's kind of interesting for me is that this, this Gravatar website has been basically dormant. Uh, Sarah Gooding, we're stealing another piece from Sarah on WP Tavern, uh, 22nd of June. Piece is called Gravatar Adds New Payment Features. She makes the point that really the whole the whole Gravatar thing has been on ice for about nine years. And so suddenly to add in a feature is kind of, okay, well, what, what what's going on there? So I would imagine there is some other piece linking up something somewhere, but I, obviously I have no insight. It's a field on a form. Uh, that that's all it's doing at the moment but you never know let's see watch this space anyway if you fancy donating it's uh, gravatar.com forward slash nj wrigley there i don't think anything will come of that but there you go <laughs> uh right next one this wasn't uh raised by me this piece came via michelle i believe uh it's episode mm. 57 of the podcast in type well the, the podcast episode is entitled the power of wordpress mentorship uh, this is uh, on WordPress.org. What's what's this about? This is Josepha um, right. talking on her. It's it's called the WP Briefing. I've done all this backwards, haven't I? But there we mm -hmm. go. F episode fifty-seven: The Power of WordPress Mentorship. I I confess I haven't listened to this episode, but clearly you have. It's well, it's, it's just you know a short less than six minutes. So, um, but it's specifically about. Uh, the new mentorship program that they're implementing. I think uh, it was in conversation before WordCamp Europe, but a lot of it cemented at WordCamp Europe and the community team. And the idea is that we we have mentorship around things like the um, the release squads, right? So I'm on a, I've been on a release squad before. You mirror you you kind of shadow the people who are in the in the prior release that you're going to do, and then learn from that. And there's a little bit of mentorship that goes on there and probably more or less depending on the team you're on and your own experiences. But the idea of mentoring people into the community as a whole and having like, I think of it, like I equate it to the old big brother, big sister program, right? Where like somebody's new to it and then they get assigned to you or you, you know, shepherd people in. And it's often when you're new to something, it's often one of those things where you feel like every question I ask, is probably stupid because somebody's probably asked it a million times before. Mm -hmm. And if I just learned to Google, I could probably find it out myself. But the difference having a mentor is there's safety in that. There's sa the ability to ask somebody where they say there are no stupid questions. And you don't have to Google it and be you know, a, a, a person on your own island without having that connection to other people. And you don't have to figure out how to network and get your foot in the door, so to speak. So the idea behind the mentorship program would be allowing 
people to really kind of shepherd others into the community and into the ecosystem so that they have this feeling of belonging much earlier on and a sense of um, commitment to the to the open source project because they will they will lo- feel the belonging much earlier mm, it's nice um yeah this was a project i guess it was probably launched about i don't know i'm going to say about six months ago or something like that but now we've got some meat on the bones um do you know if this was happening at WordCamp europe michelle was this kind of thing already um, beginning or so the conversation about it was happening during contributor day mm-hmm. to bring it forth to the point that they're lo- actually launching launching an official program i believe she said uh july 13th maybe but don't quote me on that sometime in this next month i will say that for sure okay um and i see birgit has a a note here that the contributor mentorship program is also helpful for contributors who feel lost or come back from a contributing sabbatical to kind of get themselves back in the groove of um, contributing to the open source project so there's a lot of opportunities for people um you know, I think a lot of us have served as unofficial mentors for people and shepherded people in. Um, gosh, I go back to my church language when I think when I say things like shepherding in, but um, but been been able to mentor people and coach people unofficially or officially into in WordPress, but having the ability for people. Thank you, July twelfth. I love that, um, Birgit. You've got my back so many times that I appreciate you so much. But um, having an official mentorship program takes the questioning about how do I even get started? Because somebody there is there to lend you a hand and help you figure out how to get started or restarted in the program. Mm. Um, it's, it's not, WordPress is, is big, it's a behemoth. And when you go to wordpress.org, even if you want to start contributing, you don't necessarily know how to begin. And you don't necessarily feel like you can just kind of barge in and go, hey, I wanna be on the marketing team, or hey, I wanna code. Um, because you don't know what's already in process. It's like stepping into a river that's already flowing. It isn't the beginning of something in WordPress. And so to join that river is like to hop on a boat with somebody else, right? And so they can show you how to do it. That was the great metaphor. Did you just come Thank up you. with that one? If not, I did. That, that is sublimely <laughs> good. That just encapsulated it perfectly. You should write that down quickly. I should. I'll so have to re-listen to this later to remember what yeah. I said. <laughs> That's great. Um, anything to add here, Katie, or shall we move on? No, just sounds like a really good initiative that will really help people. Yep. Yeah, surely, surely. Okay, the next piece. Oh, this is a sad piece. This, uh, this is... This is from Tim, actually. Uh, so, but we'll mention it anyway. I just think this is a really salutary uh, story. This is Shannon Mattern, uh, who has a website called the Web Designer Academy dot com. As with everything that we've mentioned today, the links will be in the the show notes. It'll be published tomorrow as an audio podcast, so you'll be able to find all of these. But she has a title, a piece titled "My Stripe Account Was Hacked." And Stripe said, I have to repay $70,000. Okay, so I read this piece, and the further I got down it, the more my heart just sank. Because at the beginning, Shannon, basically the story goes a bit like this. She woke up in the morning to notice that there was some email, which, first of all, she just assumed was spam or some phishing attempt. And then she realized, no, this is actually legit, saying that there was a problem with her Stripe account. And then she logged in fairly sanguine that, okay, well, whatever it is, we'll figure it out. And then as the days go on, the emails become more and more uh, calamitous in that, you know, she assumed, well, okay, I'll supply them with some evidence. 
will be able to prove that it was hacked, they'll refund me my money. Uh, but as the days went on, that turned out to be less and less the case. So at the minute, she's still fighting to kind of A, prove that all of this hacking happened, but also that she really isn't responsible. Somebody seems to have gained access to her account. She does explain how that hack happened, um, but I can't exactly remember how it was. Uh, but the, basically, the long and the short of it is, if the assumption is that Stripe has got your back, it would appear that there are some scenarios in which that may not be the case. I, I, in the UK here, we have the FSA, the Financial Services Authority, and essentially, so long as you don't lose gigantic amounts of money and you've obviously acted in a stupid way and signed documents that you shouldn't have done, you are in many ways protected. And you kind of work under the assumption that a company like Stripe would always have to have your back. Uh, I heard although I don't quite know, I heard that it may have been some of the configurations that Shannon had set up in the background. Either way, it's just a sort of salutary story that, you know, don't always assume that just because it's going through a giant multinational like Stripe, that it's going to be you uh, not paying the bill. You know, they'll swallow the money. In this case, it looks like that fight is ongoing. So I just feel a bit sad for somebody in our community who's been caught up in this mess and i don't know if either of you had a chance to read it but ugh, not very yeah, i read it in nasty stuff and the way stripe responded just not listening to her and it must sound very stressful even just the experience let alone having to pay the money yeah just the idea that something can happen like that mm. and they haven't got your back so again part of the uk structure is basically if it's not you doing it you have that protection. You know, there's just an assumption that, okay, we can see that you did not do this. You're protected. That's basically the bottom line. Whereas in mm. this situation, it, it, Shannon's version of events is that she did not do this. It was perpetrated by hackers. Um, but Stripe are claiming that the way that it was done means that they, they can't get the money back. So it needs to be borne by her. So mm. anyway, Shannon, good luck. I hope that it, um, hope that you managed to straighten it out. Michelle, anything on that one? No, I just, it's Stripe is one of those behemoths. It's so helpful in so many ways to have it as a payment processor. But if you've ever had to fight a dispute, even if somebody, if you have hard evidence, oftentimes it doesn't go your way. Um, it's very hard. It's very difficult to win a dispute because they tend to um, side with the consumer, not with the product, own, product owner, service owner. So it's, it's, it's a mixed blessing. I'm yeah. Sure. I can't remember if she said that she had things like 2FA switched on, if memory serves. I think maybe she did, but the nature of the attack was that it didn't really matter. That, that I can't remember, but just be careful out there, basically. You know, just watch what you're doing. Yeah. Um, right, we've got about five minutes left, so we're going to we're gonna do one more. Uh, there, was, there was probably five or six more that we were going to do, but we're <laughs> ah, we'll do one more. And it's this joy. Uh, I don't know. What, <laughs> what do we say? Um, this is the exciting news that I don't even, I do not even know whether to believe this or not. I just, some part of me thinks it, this is an, an April Fool's joke in July or June. Elon <laughs> Musk uh, and Mark Zuckerberg are going to have an actual fight in an actual cage. And I don't know what to make of it apart from just thinking, what the heck? has happened to us that this is like perfectly normal that two you know 
men from North America. Well, uh, Elon Musk, I believe, is from South Africa. But th these two guys, billionaires, both of them, uh, have just decided they're just going to like wrestle each other into submission. What? What's going on? Please help me understand. <laughs> I, all I can say is I would probably watch it just to see the two pasty, white, pudgy, middle-aged, white dude, tech bros going at it and to see who falls first and like the, watch the slap fight. But other than that, I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I just don't even get where you get to the point that this is a message you want to put out. I... I've, you know, I'm just going to have a punch up with somebody. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the martial art that they've selected is much more sort of refined, and there's mm -hmm. some sort of, you know, there's some prior art in it where, you know, you're not actually hurting each other. You're just wrestling each other into submission or something. But I do just think it's curious that this is the <laughs> way it's got. Just. Yeah, bonkers. it's not going to happen. They're just talking. Oh, I'm out. so glad you said that. Let's yeah, pray. it's just testosterone-driven talk. I don't think it's a real thing. I wonder if uh, I wonder if it's just to keep them in the in the headlines. But apparently, mm. Mark Zuckerberg is a is a bona fide martial arts. He's a bit of a he's a bit of a fan, and he uh, recently showed up to some kind of local event where he lives of people who are fairly expert, and he won it. So, you know, he's, he's, he, I would imagine that Elon Musk <laughs> would be toast. I think my money would be on, uh, would be on Mark Zuckerberg. But honestly, what a strange thing. Um, the world is going crazy, uh, says Maya Longcar. Hi, thanks for that. Uh, yeah, we are. We are going crazy with the news. But I just thought this was so interesting. Where have we got to? And Peacher says scary stuff. But I presume she's talking about Shannon's <laughs> horrible strike story. And not this, although this is fairly scary. Right, that's it. We're well, we've got about three minutes to spare, but perfect, perfect time to end. Um, yeah. anything happening to you this week, Michelle? Probably talking as little as possible, I would imagine. <laughs> Pretty much, although today is a very busy day. So who knows? But um, one of the things I'm working on is uh WordCamp Rochester for this fall and finding a venue. So uh, I'm touring someplace on Thursday. I'm hoping that. The price works well and that we will see some people here for WordCamp Rochester at the end of September. Nice. Thank you very much indeed. Katie, what's sure. happening on your diary this week? Um, nothing particularly different. Might launch a new, few new features on plugins and things, but nothing huge. Um, and starting to uh, work out who we're bringing to WordCamp US and that kind of thing as well. Well, let's hope that you have a really nice week and you manage to stay safe. That's all we've got time for. It will come out as a podcast episode tomorrow morning at the absurd time of seven in the morning. Don't ask. I have no idea why I decided to do that. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah I yeah. was thinking about that. Yes. Yeah. We need to do the, the wave, the humiliating wave. Here we go. I, I've got to put Tim in there somehow, haven't I? I'm going to have to slide Katie along in some sort of... Yeah, one of his poses. So yeah, 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 yeah. I'll get the one of him doing. at the back. Yeah, that's perfect. The one from behind. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you for joining us. Really appreciate it. And to so many people who made comments today, again, massively appreciated. We'll be back next week with some other guests. But until now, until then, even, stay safe. Bye-bye for now. Cheers. Bye. Bye.